and kings, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast, a podcast for women, where the conversation is about us, our relationships, and every area of our lives. This show is about unity, support, kindness, and keeping it 100% real. So we can rise up, move, we've got the victory, burn up smooth. Hey, queens, kings, and good people. I am Sharana Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast. Thank you for returning to part two of mother and son relationships. I am talking with my son, Kendon Reeves, in this episode, just about a lot of things. Uh, I didn't plan on making this a part two, but after I started editing, I was getting close to an hour I still had probably about 45 minutes more of recording to go through, and I just didn't want to edit too much out. I wanted for my listeners to hear, especially if you have sons, everything that my son Kendon had to say, and I also hadn't even gotten to my three things yet. So I was probably looking at about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes had I not just decided to do a part two, so... I just kind of want you guys to understand how that process works and how I end up with two episodes. It's not always to bring you back for next week. As a matter of fact, I kind of like it when it's clean and it's about 50 to 54 minutes, including the three things so that you can get a good hour of listening in and then go on about your day. And as our girl Tab says, have yourself a wonderful day. But uh, sometimes it just doesn't work out like that. So We're going to be focusing on part two today. Thank you guys so much for listening to last week. I got a lot of feedback from listeners about my pregnancy story and how I was terminated for from a job for being pregnant. Uh, Thank you guys. I really appreciate that. I have totally definitely moved past it. As a matter of fact, I can't even remember the last time that I've told that story. It's been so long ago, but I do remember it like it was yesterday when I start to think about it. And as I was telling it in last week's episode, but yeah, I've definitely moved on from that. I wish that person the best and me and my son and family have been doing just fine. And God has definitely provided for us as he promised that he would do that day in the abortion clinic. So, um, saying that, because if you ever hear a, a, a small, still voice saying anything to you, that you know is the right thing to do, you probably should listen to it because that still voice is usually your intuition, it's your soul, it's the Holy Spirit, I call it, basically trying to guide you on what is right and what is good. I start this episode with my son and and I'm asking him basically, do you feel that I was harder on you than your sister? Kenan's the oldest and I wanted to know if he felt I was harder on him than I was on his sister, Kim. So that's the question that we're starting this episode with. So thanks again for returning for part two. So thanks again for returning for part two, mother and son relationships with my son, Kendon Reeves. I'll see you at the end of this episode for real this time (laughs) with these three things. Enjoy. 
For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Do you feel like with that, with that being said, do you feel I was easier on you or harder on you than your sister? Easy, harder. I was harder? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you want to elaborate? <laughs> Yeah, I, um, you was harder. It was like, because I was the oldest, so you had more priorities for me because I had to make sure my sister was okay. I had to make sure you was okay. And as far as I could, you know, mm-hmm. and since I'm the oldest and if I don't do good, then I'm messing up because I should be the example for my little sister. Mm-hmm. So I did feel like, yeah, I was a little bit hard. You was a little bit harder on me. Yeah, did you feel like as being the man in the house once your dad and I split up um, that you had to protect me and Kim? No doubt, yes. Okay, so there's a story that you and your sister tell me. Uh, We were living in Ocala, Florida at the time, and I was the head coach at a junior college there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kim was walking home from school, and some boys in the neighborhood Mm, were following her home. Tell me about that. Well, like you said, we was living in Ocala, Florida, and you're going... He was working at Central Florida, and I stayed at home from school. I don't know what I was, what happened, but I mm-hmm. stayed at home. And Kim was coming home, and and it was the same boys that was in the neighborhood that usually stay there. They were trying to follow my sister home, trying to talk to her and stuff like that. And shooting, and they told her like, if your brother's not home, we coming in with you. And she immediately got scared, mm-hmm. like, because she was like, well, if they come in, what's going to really happen? Are they going to rape me and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So that was going through her head and stuff. And she just prayed when she got to the door and was like hoping that I was there. And when she opened the door and she saw me there, she said mm-hmm. she just felt so relieved that I was there. When they saw me, they tried to play it off like, we were just making sure your sister was, you know, safe and we wanted to walk, walk her home. Mm-hmm. So... I really meant a lot to me that, you know. To be home. Yeah, to be home and to know that she that, you know, she can count on me, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me about how you and Kim's relationship has evolved over the years because being the only man in the house with two women, uh, you feel responsible as a young man to protect us. And then I'm, you know, harder on you because you are the oldest I know you and Kim didn't always have the best relationship when y'all were younger. Mm-hmm. So obviously that has evolved over the years. Talk to me about that and having a sister and that evolving. Well, when we when we was really young, my sister used to always tell on me. <laughs> used to always tell on me, man. Every little thing I did, she would run and tell you, oh, dad. And I just got tired of it where, I mean, we just kept our distance from each other. But as, you know, time evolved and stuff you know i had a bond with my sister being the oldest i knew i had a big responsibility and stuff but i didn't know my sister was really just 
looking at everything I did. And so I really had to be careful what I did around my sister, you know, because I didn't want to put out a bad image and make her and lead her off to doing something that that's not good. So, you know, I always try to uplift my sister, do everything I really could do in a way that she needs it, you know, as a female, you know. Yeah. And I had to learn how to uh, be a good brother, too, because I want... I was so, you know, rough and all that stuff, tall, you know, I want to do boyish stuff. But, you know, my sister, you know, she's girly. She like to get her nails done and stuff <laughs> like that. So I always told my sister, you can tell me anything. If you don't feel like you can tell mom or dad, you can always tell me, you know, and this is going to stay with me. You're never going to have to worry about it coming up, back up when we have an argument or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell me anything. If you need to vent or you need to talk about boy issues, you know, you can always talk to me or, hey, my boyfriend did this to me. Do you know what that means or anything like that? Then, mm-hmm. you know, I can be here for her. And I want her to know that she can always, for the rest of her life, count on me, you know, to be there for her. Yeah. I think she knows that because there have been times that you have told on Kim about things that you <laughs> felt like <laughs> I needed to know. Yeah. And she would be livid with you, but you always had her protection at the forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, even when you knew she was going to be so angry with you and not speak to you for weeks, you would tell me what you thought I needed to know. I think she appreciates that now, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't then. She wanted to claw your eyes out back then, but she appreciates it now. So I know you do, but, you know, just for saying sake, you remember, I know you remember when, I, when your dad and I split up mm-hmm. in Mississippi. Yeah. What were your thoughts as a young man at that time? Because how old? You were in middle school, correct? Mm-hmm. You were in middle school when we split up. Yeah. Back then, I really wanted y'all to work out as a whole family. I always wanted my mom and dad to be in the same house. But the vibe of the house and how the fights and the tussling and me, my sister crying and me having to be there for her. I just didn't like, I, I was happy when y'all broke up, when y'all got divorced now. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I didn't want to have, I didn't want to keep seeing that. And it was put, and I didn't want to have that image of how to treat a woman. Cause that's not how you should ever treat a woman mm-hmm. fighting, you know, verbally fighting physically, it should never have to come to that. Mm-hmm. When you you and dad left, it was it was a lot better. It was for the better. And I even asked my sister about it, and she she agreed with me. She was it was for the better. Yeah, because you felt like it was just more peace. Yeah, more peace. Yeah. Yeah, I wish it worked out because I really needed my dad. Like he was there physically, but he wasn't there, you know, emotionally, you know. When I need them mentally, you know, yeah. how to deal with stuff. How do I deal with breakups? Yeah. How do I deal with that aspect of life? He wasn't there for me. I had to learn it on my own. At that time that we split up, I put us in therapy. And did you feel like that the therapy helped you at all at the time just to be able to talk it through and process? You know, our therapist was Leslie Fi, who Leslie Fi has been introduced to the show for all of my listeners who, again, if this is your first episode, you can go back and listen to uh, episodes this season where I introduce my therapist, uh, to these three things podcast. Her name is Leslie Fye. She is in Starkville, Mississippi. 
And uh, she is still our family therapist to this day. We all still call Leslie when we need to <laughs> process or, or have a conversation or, or, you know, work some things through. So how was that for you being a man mm-hmm. and your therapist was a woman mm-hmm. uh, and a white woman? Um, and you'll have to get, for those of you, if you're new to the show, you'll have to go back and listen because Leslie and I addressed the whole, I was a little hesitant about making her our therapist because she was white and a woman. How was that for you, Kendon? Like, did you feel like you were getting anything out of that for you at that time? Me and Leslie were talking about mostly confidence, but no offense to Leslie because she's a amazing therapist, but I just needed a black man, you know, a black mm. man therapist, yeah. you know, something that somebody that knows what I'm going through. And no offense to Leslie, because you know, like I said, she's an amazing woman. But she did, she wasn't, she didn't know what I was going through as far as like the different kind of stuff that a black man has to go through in this world, yeah. like like having to having to go the extra mile for for stuff, you know. And I just needed that. It was it wasn't it just wasn't a connection, you know, with me and Leslie as far as you know her understanding, yeah, what I'm going through. Yeah. As far as in that way. So to parents who are listening to this, A, would you recommend when a breakup happens in a marriage to put your son in therapy? If if at all, if, you know, because there were no black therapists in Starkville, which is how we ended up with Leslie. And I do agree. I think that Leslie was more suited for Kim and I because A, she was a woman. And, you know, while Leslie has studied to be culturally appropriated as a therapist, you're still a man though, you mm-hmm. know, that is a difference there. But um, would you recommend parents putting their sons in therapy with a black man, male therapist, if they have the opportunity to do that in their area? I would say yes. Um, and you can, you can, uh, if you have an amazing relationship with your um, kid, you can talk to them too. You know, I want to have an amazing relationship with my kids. I want my daughter to be able to tell me that she had sex before. I want my son to be able to tell me that he slept with some girl. I want to have that kind of relationship with my kids so I can, so that it's nothing that they can't tell me. I don't want to feel like they have to hold something from me. I want to teach them, you know, the real deal. The real things. Because, you know, the world's going to teach them the real deal. They're not going to feed them no baby stuff. Right. So that's how I feel. So do you feel that... Because what about for the kids who feel that they, the emotions that they feel, they're not ready to discuss with their mom and dad? You know, because I feel like that's the reason why, I mean, and you can correct me because I don't want you to, I don't want to speak for you. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of this episode is to just have an authentic and real conversation to shed light and wisdom and uh, clarity and a lot of other things on those who are listening who may have sons who are going through a divorce, who have, di- you know, divorced and their sons are still growing up. And I want to be as authentic as we can. So, you know, and, and I know I have not been the perfect parent. And I, and I want you to be honest with this. Do you feel like that I was available for you to talk to at that time? Because my, my process of putting you and Kim in therapy was because I wanted y'all to have a place to say things that you couldn't say to me at the time. Because maybe you were angry, just as angry with me as you were with your dad. Mm-hmm. And you needed to be able to vent that to somebody who could help you process those emotions. Do you feel like I was there for you during that time? Or do you feel like 
I wasn't. I feel like during your career, you was mostly gone mm -hmm. uh, most of the time. And I, it's no shaming you because, you know, you had to provide for us and you had to do what you had to do. So the times when I really needed you, you were gone most of the time. So I was just having to, you know, stick stuff deep inside, deep inside, you know. And it's hard to bring everything out all at once. I try not to think about it for too long. I always try to find something to do to not having to think about stuff I was going through. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you, babe, when you needed me the most. That's hard to hear. I mean, it's no offense to you because I know you had a... No, I know, I know in the spirit in which you're saying it. I get it. It's just still hard to hear. Because, you know, it, you know it, it's real. It's the truth. I was on the road a lot. I was gone a lot, you know, and trying to manage it and make it all work and keep it, keep it all together, you know. And most of the time, not really feeling supported in the environments in which I was working. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to hear, but it's the truth. And, I, and, you know, I hope that parents who are listening to this and if any of this is things in which you've gone through or are going through, you know, it, it it's real. And our kids are really dealing with real things and real emotions that sometimes we, because we're dealing with our own set of things, too, we don't we don't always pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And so I, I appreciate you being honest about it and just saying because it needs to be heard and talked about. Kendon, what are some of the pitfalls that you've you've dealt with and some of your friends in your peer group have dealt with that you've seen young black men fall into? Lust, pornography, lost, not knowing who they are. I think that's the biggest thing. Being lost, mm -hmm. yeah. Can you dis can you discern it in what ways? Being lost, so now I'm about to try to be like my favorite rapper when that's not even my destiny, your personality or anything, mm -mm. right? But it's my favorite rapper, so I'm gonna try to follow his way because it's working out for him, and I like the life that he's showing. So let me take that route mm. instead of finding a route for me and something that I love. Do you think that? Having a mentor as a young man can help you navigate through some of those things that you just said. Having a strong male mentor. I feel like first it comes with what are you truly passionate about and then finding a mentor in that section. Mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of finding a mentor and then trying to find out what you're really passionate about because the person that might be mentoring you not might not know enough in the direction you want to go. Right. So I feel like you should know yourself, well, get to know yourself more in the direction you want to go before you get to a mentor. What about church in the life of a young man? How how are our young black males looking at church nowadays? Because I know for me growing up, church was always like base for me. And I think for many years of our lives, I always took you and your sister to church. But now that you guys have, you know, become more adults, I kind of leave it up to you to, you know, choose for yourself. Does church, is church a factor? And by church, I mean, let's, let me rephrase that. By having a relationship with God, 
is that on the forefront of your mind or does it is it based on whether you were even brought up in church or not uh are you guys out here second guessing whether god is even real like how does what is what is where does the church factor play into the lives of young black men today i have to say that it's so much evil in your eye and like like that I'm not saying in your eyes as many like, you know, when I'm looking at you, you're evil, but like phone, TV, you don't see anything that's positive. Mm-hmm. You see mostly negative and they barely talk about church unless you're going to seek, you know, going on a personal limb to go go to church and look for stuff for church. But if you just average person and you're lost and you don't know who Jesus is, it's hard to find them mm-hmm. with how, you know, social media is set up, how rap is um, talk. You don't hear a lot of, you know, people talk about God and rap music. Mm-hmm. All you really, all they really do is praise is drugs, women, you know, money, money. Mm-hmm. So if you don't really know who God is, money is your God. Mm-hmm. And people, more and more people not going to church. And why know. do you think that is? People don't have the desire to go to church no more. Why not? Be honest. I feel like most people are questioning if God's even real. Some people. Which is truly sad, but because I be talking to people and like, if God's real, why you let this and that happen? If God's real, why why people having to go through what they're going through? Have you questioned it? I'm pretty sure everybody at one point has questioned if God's even real, but you know, but for me, I'm gonna stick by what I was raised with, you know, and I'm gonna follow the roots. And I'm going to um, follow who God is, you know. I feel like God was the reason why I'm here today. When I look on life, I, I see a bunch of useless stuff. Like, how am I going to get to the kingdom of heaven, like, with all this stuff around me? Mm-hmm. Like, with internet, I mean, talking negative from when I look at TV, all of this is about money, power, sex, you know, when I go out, everybody wants to get girls. Nobody wants to talk about the um, Son of God. I feel like every day is making it harder for people to follow God because everybody's distracted. More and more people are losing sight of God because they're distracted by something else. How do we fix that? Because I can totally get how y'all's generation can question whether God is real. I mean, you guys have grown up in a generation where you've been fortunate to see a black president you know, for eight years of your young life and now a, a, a black female as vice president, but you've also grown up in the climate where you don't know if you're going to go to school and you'll, one of your, one of the students at your school may shoot the whole school up and kill y'all. You know, you've mm-hmm. had to, you've had to do drills in school for live shooters. And we, as the American people, as adults, as this country, as this nation, are so enthralled with having our guns that we're allowing our children to be killed 
for the sake of us being able to bear arms. Imagine dying and laying there and thinking that you're, this isn't a third world, world country. This is the United States of America. And I, I, I'm probably going to lose my life today because we're allowing this to happen in our country. How do we grab hold of the minds of all of these young men and keep them focused on being able to see realistically what's going on and not letting these things distract you or cause you to doubt who God is and if he's real? Because, I mean, like I said, you guys have definitely grown up in a generation where the adults, we have let y'all down. To me, I feel like you have to, at this point, I feel like we have to force more um, church down people's throat now nowadays because there's so many distractions out. I mean, when you guys were growing up, you know, it was it was mandatory to go to church. Like y'all don't have y'all, it's no it's no I'm not going to church. Y'all had to go to church. Nowadays it's like you going to church? Oh, you ain't been to church in you know six months. It's more casual. Yes. Can you look back over your life and? Have and and identify God in your life. Yes, I can see it from God always providing for us. I won't say me because you the one who really had to go through it, but I I want to say struggle. Like mm-hmm. God's always provided for us. You know, being being as you were a single parent, raising two kids. I mean, me and Kim really didn't go left, you know, me doing drugs, me Man. sleeping with everybody. I got two babies on the way. Right. And Kim out here doing whatever she wants to do and stuff like that. We we stay we stay solid to who we truly are and then do all that stuff. And with you having a busy job and not being there sometimes cuz you having to work and go recruit and stuff like that. I feel like God has always been there for us in a certain way. Even when we didn't have time to go to church and stuff, I feel like he's always been there. Sometimes I didn't pray, mm-hmm. but he was still there. Yeah, I think about that often. I do think about what great kids you guys have turned out to be for some of the things that we've gone through. So I always felt like God was always there in a certain type of way, making sure that I didn't slip. Mm-hmm. So... And protecting you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the experiences that we've had. We've traveled to a lot of places. We've done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. While there was a lot of moving that happened as a result of my career, there were a lot of fun things that we did, too. Mm-hmm. Like traveling yeah. with the team. You know, you guys were on private planes <laughs> at very young ages, traveling to vacations do you remember the time we saw Triple H in yeah. the Kentucky Hotel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You was more excited than me. I was trying to play it cool. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't be over there feeling like you know too big and stuff. I mean, make, be like a big fan, you know. So I had to play it smooth, you know, chill. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you were just saying it so seriously, like, "Mom, that's Triple H." Now, anyone who's had sons, you know, your sons. A lot of sons get into the wrestling thing. And Kendon was heavy into the wrestling thing. I mean, he had everybody. He had The Rock, Triple H, uh, John 316, John Cena. Is that his name? Yeah, John Cena. Undertaker. Who else? 
Who else was it? Batista? Yeah, Kane. Kane. You were heavy in it. Yeah. Yeah. You were heavy into the wrestling thing. So because he was into it, I got into it because I was constantly buying like the little action figure wrestler things, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had the games and everything. Yeah. And so I began to know who these people were. So we were in Kentucky. I think we were playing in the NIT championship at West Virginia at Kentucky or the semifinal game at uh, Kentucky and Triple H was in our hotel having breakfast when we had come down for breakfast that morning and I'm just in there eating and you just you know kind of elbowed me you was like mom that's Triple H and I'm like where you was like right there <laughs> mom right there I'm like that's Triple H oh my god I was hyped <laughs> and you were looking at me like will you please calm down <laughs> but I was just like so hyped for you because yeah. I knew how much you loved those guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And Triple H, he was cool. Yeah. He was a really cool guy. He gave us some tickets, too. He did. Yeah, me and Dad went to it. Yeah. He did. Because he would, did they come to West Virginia? What did they do? Where did y'all, where were the tickets for? Uh, It was like to a uh, WWE uh, wrestling event. I forgot uh where, where they gave us tickets to, but. Everybody was in there yelling and stuff like that. And me and dad were like, what they yelling? What they <laughs> only just watch the show? And then me me uh me wrestling event, we was in there yelling too. <laughs> we was all in. <laughs> so y'all got got in there and got we, yelling. We got intense too. <laughs> <laughs> you got the hey, you gotta come up to the yeah. to the level. You gotta get level up. That's so cool. <laughs> and then I mean, like, we've taken some like We've Cancuned. Mm-hmm. We have. Where else have we gone? Um, that Virgin you went Islands. With the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you went on a couple of other trips with us. Where's the one uh, at Hawaii? Uh, Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii was nice. Yeah, Hawaii was nice. You are listening to these three things podcast with Sharana Reeves and Kendon Reeves, mother and son relationships, part two. We'll be right back. Do you need to get a handle on your stress? Need to get better control of your emotions? Join the 19,000 plus students who have taken Dr. Patricia Thompson's 21-day crash course in emotional intelligence. You'll learn practical techniques that will help you manage your emotions, improve your relationships, and get ahead in your career, all in the comfort of your own home. Learn more at her website, silverliningpsychology.com on the self-study page. Again, that's silverliningpsychology.com. Think about all of the basketball players, Kenan, that you have met throughout your life Mm -hmm. that are NBA players now that you saw play college basketball and was in the same gym shooting with them like Grant Mm -hmm. that's with the Celtics now, you know, and you're in the same auxiliary gym shooting with them or practice facility. Like when you think about that, what do you think about being around college sports at such a high level most of your life? It shows me that if you if you grind and you put in that work, that work will show off. Yeah. I've seen so many people in the gym constantly, constantly, constantly. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, they don't get tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you can see, but now you see, you see the results playing off. So. Yeah. So let's talk about your basketball experience, because in the process of moving a lot, and this is something mothers that you will need to know if you are a single mom. And even if you are married and you, you know, your child is in sports and you guys and you and your husband, your spouse, 
have not typically been in the sports world. The AAU circuit for men's basketball is completely different than it is for women's basketball because it just seemed like to me, and you can speak from your own experience, Kenan, but just like the whole AAU world was just, it was so hard to find a team where A, the people genuinely gave a good dog on about you. It was more about what you, there was very little development Mm -hmm. in boys AAU and girls. We're trying to continue to develop your skill while you're in the AAU program. What I had to learn by trial and error was that that's not happening on the boy side. There really isn't very much skill development. Either you come talented and you're going to be a key, key role player or a key player on the team, or you just get tossed to the side regardless of what you could bring to the table. The biggest thing about AAU is being on the right team because you can be on a stacked team and y'all go to events where no coaches are at. Right. Or you could be on a team that's average and go to all the big events, you know? Right. So I feel like going – the places that you're going determines, like, you know, being seen by coaches and because, you know, you can be on a team that's going places but you're not even playing at all. So are you really done with basketball? You feel like it's over for you? Because, you know, I loved watching you play. I have always thought you are a prolific scorer, Kenan. You can you can score the ball. That is what you do to me. And you have a hook shot. I've not seen anybody else that can do that hook shot except for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And a lot of people feel the hook shot is an old school shot. But your hook shot is beautiful. It is It is one of the most beautiful shots I've seen. And you mastered it. For you, do you miss it? Do you feel like you know? I'll I'll say it like this: If the opportunity comes for me to be on another basketball team, I would take it and I would go hard yeah. for it. But if it doesn't, you know, then you know it wasn't meant to be, and I'm gonna start this business, and I'm gonna go hard on that. All right. Well, in closing. Thank you for sharing. Thank mm-hmm. you for thanks for having me. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to say to parents just about, especially to my mothers who are listening, because this is a podcast for women. Is there something that you would like to say to mothers to um, help them or encourage them in raising their sons that, you know, they might need to hear? A woman can't never can't really teach a man, a boy how to be a man. But I know that a lot of men don't know either because their dad never was there in their life. So, you know, it's kind of hard being there in places where you don't know how to be there for their kid, for your kid. Right. But. So what should the moms do? Like what can, what can mothers with young sons do? I would have to say, a mentor might be the best thing, but he needs a man, male figure in his life, a good example to know what's right and wrong as far as dealing with a relationship, dealing with how to have confidence, how to, you know, how to move around in life as mm-hmm. a black man, how to, how to approach people, you know, because... We don't have black men don't really have that many role models unless they hoop or rap, you know, and everybody's not guaranteed to play to make it in sports. So what's that falls down to rap. 
you know, and a lot of rappers not talking about anything positive, you know, so it's easy to fall down in the trap where, you know, you toting the gun and your pants are sagging, you know, and now it's hard for you to find a job and you got to make ends meet because you got a, a kid to feed, you know, and that's pressure. Yeah. Now it's like now I got to Now I'm forced to have to do something. And nobody, and no, and not anybody, not even a black man, not even a white man, or nobody wants to be put in that position, you know. Yeah. So that's why I feel like it's so important for a kid to have his uh, father. I won't say his father because his father, a good example, a good male example around in his life, because you know he could have his father around and he could be a terrible example. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's very important for a black man. To have a, a great male figure in his life, you know, and I feel like also that us as black, you know, in the black community, I feel like we should have more heroes in different categories in life, not just in sports and basketball. Yeah, more visible yeah, heroes. So we don't have to just look at only a few sources of heroes, you know. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Mom. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I feel that way about you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Mom. It's all love. You've been listening to these three things podcast. I am Sharana Reeves with my son, Kendon Reeves, and we'll be right back with these three things. Yo. Yeah. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode. Hey, we're back. This is Sharana Reeves. I am with Kendon Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and it is time for These Three Things. Number one. What my son taught me. So moms, let's face it. We love our sons and we are the first women that they love too. Sons fill a place in our hearts that really is hard for any of us to articulate. But if you have a son, you know that feeling I'm talking about. About halfway through middle school, I started to see the shift happen in my son. You know Well, if your son is young, you may not know yet, but the shift when your son starts to experience things as a young man that you aren't equipped to tell him how to deal with it. And really, he doesn't want you to. But often we're trying to teach and reteach and overteach and teach and teach and teach. But when the shift happens, what your son wants to know more than anything is how would a man deal with this? By the time Kendon's shift happened, his dad and I were no longer together. So I did what every single mom, divorced mom, or woman raising a son does. I tried to play both roles, mom and dad. I had to be tough, y'all. I had to make him tough. I had to correct every mistake, call them all out, ride him like a wild animal, and show no sympathy. Well, I don't mind sharing with y'all that that didn't work. And I had it all wrong. All those antics did was make my son doubt his own abilities to handle situations and underdevelop his confidence in who he was. What my son needed was support, my encouragement, 
and praise when he was getting it right and a stern but loving redirect when he wasn't. He needed me to teach him how to trust his own mind and his decisions and how to think things through and change course when it didn't go so well. Luckily, I checked myself before I wrecked my son. I apologized and realized what he actually needed. I'm glad my son was vocal and spoke up and was honest with me about what he needed from me. I'm glad that he was able to teach me how to be what he needed instead of me thinking I knew what he needed. He truly has been a blessing and so much joy this young man has brought to me. And I'm glad I was humble enough to receive what my son taught me. Number two, mentors matter. Raising sons as a single woman can feel really overwhelming sometimes. Surrounding your son with great role models seems like it wouldn't be that hard. But for me, it wasn't as easy as you think. I have uncles, great uncles, but I never lived close to any of them. My dad is a great role model, but again, I didn't live close to my parents either. Kendon had coaches, and some of them were great role models, and some of them were the worst. Having high-character, solid mentors will be important. Being proactive about surrounding your son in this kind of environment will be necessary. Trusting that men will choose to come along and be an example to your son was really naive, and for years, I thought that was the case. Single moms, divorced moms, and women raising sons, we have to be proactive and intentional about finding our sons mentors to model. As women, we often feel that we can do it all, even raise a man. But the reality is we can't. Your pod assignment for this week is if you have a son who is at least seven years old, get intentional about finding great mentors for them. Be it at your church, signing them up in a youth organization that is surrounded and focused on raising young kings, boys and girls clubs, and men in your family if you live close to them. But whatever you do, don't assume for one second that you can do it all. The day will come for your son when there will be questions that you as a woman, while he loves you, he doesn't want to know your answer. So remember, mentors matter. Number three, go with God. Lust, pornography, and lost were the three pitfalls my son Kendon said young black men are distracted by. Many of you moms listening may have a son that is dealing with one, two, or maybe all three of these pitfalls. With the access on their cell phones and social media, our sons have access to very adult things at young ages. If the world is going to give them lust, pornography, and make them feel lost, what are we going to give them? 
As a kid growing up in the South, my parents made me go to church. I didn't always like it, but as I grew older, I began to experience this God I heard about every Sunday for myself. Having a relationship with God became my cornerstone that even in all my party days in college, Black Beach, Freak Nick, and, well, never mind. Those things couldn't erase the foundation that had been laid inside of me. Our sons need a spiritual foundation. If lust, pornography, and being lost are pitfalls my son felt comfortable to say, can you imagine what else they're dealing with that he didn't say? Being raised in the church didn't make me perfect or make my life free from struggle, disappointments, or setbacks. But it did direct me to a source that would assure me that even though weapons would form against me, they would not prosper. Spirituality for some in this generation may seem like antiquated religion and odd. But as mothers, would we rather our sons follow and chase the pitfalls of this world or go with God? Okay, queens, kings, and good people, that is it for part two, mother and son relationships with my son, Kendon Reeves. This is Sharana Reeves, and thank you guys for coming back for part two. I'm so excited to tell you that tomorrow, July 21st, will mark the one-year anniversary of These Three Things podcast. I cannot believe it's been a year. I cannot believe that we're at 31 episodes. This podcast has blessed me in so many ways. I have grown. I have learned. I have listened. My eyes have been opened. I've had some of the best conversations I've had in my life. I've met some of the dopest people I've ever met before. I've learned so much about new things and so many more things I have desired to learn from this podcast. I hope that you are enjoying it too. My only ask from you on my one year anniversary is if you have not written a review on Apple, if you have an iPhone, or you can also write a review on Pandora for these three things podcast, I ask that you do so. Spotify does not have a way where you can leave a review. So if you have an Android phone, it won't work for you. But if you have an Apple phone and you have not left a review for these three things and you have loved this podcast, my one year anniversary request is for you to go and leave a review and tell me what you loved about these three things podcast in its first year. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week for another episode of these three things.